I will say this. He's really downplaying the popcorn incident. The Armstrong house nearly burned down last <laughs> night. It was it was out of control. The popcorn was on fire in that kitchen island. And then, you know, and then I go tell Anna, I'm like, you nearly caught the house on fire. She's like, really? <laughs> no one microwaves popcorn and walks away. It's a it's a Anna hands, hangout Anna watch Hansen and listen. Does. Anna does. You got to listen until it stops popping because then it scorches in a heartbeat. So she just puts it in there and just walks away. Yeah. Lip bombs Evid- burnt down your house. Evidently. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stages Podcast, talking about Stage 8 from Dole. I think I said that right. Dole to Station de Russe, back in the mountains. Um, and, and I think, aside from the obvious, that, that the profile today looked different. To me, I think there are a couple takeaways. One, this was a, this was, this was a hard day. I mean, if you believe what you heard on TV... The fact that the Peloton did 52 kilometers an hour, which is 32-ish miles an hour for the first 20 miles, that means they are going, that's literally as, as, kind of as fast as they can go. And then to do 40, and then, then they start climbing, they've done 46K in the first hour. For this profile, which is 10,000 feet in total climbing, 3,100 meters, um, to do it in 42 kilometers an hour, 26 or 27 miles an hour. They're flying. That's a hard day. That and, and Just overall, it was just a high tempo all day. This We've talked about it a couple of times. This tour has been fast. I mean, it's, it's been, uh, it, 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 they've, they've finished before the fastest projected uh, finish time almost every day. Um, I mean, what do you mostly attribute to a fast tour? Well, Just teams keeping the pace up? Team Teams looking for opportunity. That's what happens on a day like today. I spoke about it a little bit yesterday. Uh, in fact, I won a little bit of half credit. Dan Martin didn't win. That was my pick for the for the win of the stage. But I, I, but I also said that I think a break has or had a real opportunity to get away and stay away, and that, that happened. And, and hats off to Lillian Calmejean. I mean, this young kid who for people watched the race – at home, what a gutsy performance. I mean, not only was he very strong and, and, and put in an impressive tack on the last climb, but then to start cramping and... and uh, That was... You jumped off your sofa seat. Uh, I know. Because it's... When the it, cramp... Because you, 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 it's like you were feeling that cramp with him, right? Well, I, I've been cramping a lot in the last year. So, I, and anybody that is cramped can relate. It, it's it's a miserable experience. And the, and the reason I got... So excited slash worried for this kid is rarely do you just cramp once, right? You cramp and then it'll go away, but they always come back. Every time you put down a new effort, it's, yeah. it's on you. And that's when you just have to sort of say, okay, I've got 5K to go and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to regulate my effort. I have to, I've got 30, you have 38 seconds on, on, um, on, um, um, why am I flaking his name? On, uh. No, not Roach. On uh, the guy that was chasing the first chase. Yeah, Robert Hessink. So he had 38 seconds on Hessink. He immediately lost 10 seconds as he's standing up and trying to stretch out his cramp. Um, 
and that's when you just have to kind of look around, check all the check all the systems, realize you have half a minute, and just ride easier until you until you get through it, and then you can gradually get back. Which he did, although I thought he he got back on it a little quicker than I probably would have. Hey, it worked, and it, it was cool to see him win. And for those who didn't see, and I'm surprised by the number of people who are uh, listening to this podcast but not able to watch the tour, yeah, for whatever reason, time permits, or they didn't really get to see what it was. What it was this this 24 year old out going solo up the climb, and you were rooting for him big time, and the fact that he cramps just could have cost it all, and so it was exciting. It's that kind of drama, sure. And you, I've never seen anyone pour water on their leg. Yeah. To to prevent a cramp, the, the, <laughs> he's trying anything. It, it, people will tr- people will try anything um, when they're cramping. It hurts that bad. Yeah. I mean, you you can back in the day when guys would. Now we talked about it the other day. The, these numbers on their back are stick on numbers, but you know they're normally pin on numbers. I mean, back in the, the people would take a pen out and try to try to stimulate the muscle with with the safety pin or pour water on it or. I mean, hell, you've got all these commercials during the tour talking about pickle juice. Wait a minute. Wait, cut. you're talking about stabbing your leg? Just just not stabbing <laughs> it, but just a little. Just a little. Just something. Maybe it'd be better to stab the other leg to take the attention off the cramping leg. The, listen, the, the fact is, is when they come on, it, it's... It's over. Yeah. I mean, they were remarking on TV that, that he didn't have a bottle and he should have a... At that point, you could put your mouth on a fire hose. It's too late. It's too late. And so, yeah. but... But you can manage it. You can change your position. You can stand up. You can, you can try to use you subtly try to use different muscles. You're obviously still using your legs, but you're you're putting the stress on the legs in different places. That's what I would do. And and you saw he's, he stood up, stretched a bit, and but he got back on it. I was I was waiting for that second wave to come, and you know for us as fans, and it, it, while it would have been sad to see somebody lose a stage like that. I mean, it would have been pretty exciting, too, got to admit. It adds to the drama. Yeah. And, you know, do you get to, when you're in a break like that, and you mentioned all the, uh, when everything starts breaking apart, there's there's neutral support to bring them fluids, right? Mm-hmm. Is it just water in the neutral support? You know, I don't know. They have the that neutral moto that has bottles on it, which is they've made it very convenient for the riders to grab those bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, they sit in these little slots and they can just sort of pull them out. I don't know if they put sports drink in some of them. Uh, I'm, I'm just would... wondering what he could have done to prevent, you know, outside of the 24 hours prior, what, what he could have done when you're, you know, solo on a break, you're probably not drinking as much as you should. Listen, the, the reality is, is that as I've started to ride more in the last year and do some races and cramp more in the last year. I've done a lot of research about this. Like, is, am I missing something? Am I behind on hydration? Do I need one of these newfangled anti-cramping uh, drinks or shots or whatever they call them? The reality is all of the research says this, and you can look it up online. Um, while it is a mistake to not be fully hydrated, cramping comes from, it's a lack of fit. Not You can't say that, that this kid lacks fitness. Mm-hmm. But whatever training or whatever fitness he has up till this point didn't support that effort. So, yes, he got behind on hydration. Everybody's behind on hydration today. You can't catch up. You're going 42 kilometers an hour average for 10,000 total vert for the day, and it's hot. Nobody's quote-unquote hydrated. Come on. Um, but, But whatever he put his body through today, the reality is it wasn't ready for that. It doesn't matter. He figured it out. Mm -hmm. He found a way to win. He pushed through it. Hats off to him. Who gives a shit? 
he would he made it happen. Yeah. But you know, not just for Lillian uh, Kalmajan, but that entire group, they're gonna feel today's race tomorrow. And, and today stacked mm. with tomorrow is mm. gonna be you're gonna see more of that, right? The cramping, the 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 falling off the back. We'll get yep. into more of we'll tomorrow's get, yeah. at the end. All a teaser for tomorrow. There's gonna be some people missing the time cut tomorrow. Plan on uh, getting up early and watching yeah. a lot tomorrow, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, another thing you kept commenting about, you, you were commenting about the, the speed. Uh, the average pace was high, like you said, but that was very rugged terrain. You kept commenting about that as we were watching it, and we saw when when they got to that climb at the end. Th- this is the kind of roads that I don't recall seeing in the past. It looked like. It looked like a banged up, patched up cart path, yeah. as opposed to a very cleared mountain pass. Sure. Well, the the you know France has a lot of regions, right? That the, and when you think of the mountains, you think the you, you all you really think of is the Alps and the Pyrenees. But the reality is, you know, they've got all these other regions that are not they're not as high as the Alps or the Pyrenees, not as tough as those. But but they're plenty hard, and and the Jura, which is the region that they were in today, J U R A, is a is a region that they rarely go to. And I mean, I only remember a time or two racing through the Jura, in all of my years of doing the tour. But you see, I mean, either the helicopter images or even just the images on the road. Uh, it's a beautiful area. It's very lush, uh, but it's also very tricky, undulating, twisty, turny. And you saw at the top of the last climb, it was it, yeah, it, it was like. Like you were at your local golf cart, golf course, and, and that was a cart path. And so, but I love, I think that's what makes days like that so, so beautiful. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't overall for the GC. It wasn't going to be a, uh, a big selection, but you know, that, that makes it harder. And, and, you know, it, it was, gives, the, I, I think it gives it character. It was the complete opposite of what a lot of us remember and recall is like that, Von two finish where it's just treeless and an open road. This was like going through the woods. And I, the, and I noticed today too, the only times I ever hear people use the word forest, at least Americans, is in the Tour de France and fairy tales. Yeah. It's the only time we ever hear it. Yeah. You hear it a lot when you talk about the tour. Yeah. Well, Belgians, <laughs> when you do the spring classics in Belgium and you have, and you get, and you have like a row of trees, they call that a forest. Yeah. I go look at the forest. <laughs> oh, we got to talk about the Belgians. We should, we have, yeah, I, I made a note to talk about, we, so we, this is a, such a lovely story, and, and uh, this happens occasionally at our home, we, where we live here in Aspen, I mean, we, we, we just live on the street, and no, we don't live on the street, but we let our house, there's no gate, there's no wall, it's, we're just kind of in the hood, mm-hmm. and um, we were coming back last, last night uh, from Max's baseball game, which he played great, thanks for asking, um, and I saw these three, and it's, again, this happens occasionally. I see these three dudes all in the same Jersey kind of milling around on the corner and I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> what's going on? And so, you know, we pull up and again, we're just sort of get out of the car and these guys roll up. Long story short, these are three Belgian guys that are, uh, that are riding for a charity from San Francisco to New York City. And they made a deviation in their route to come through Aspen to to get a picture. And I, I made a little video for the charity. Because and, you were here. They wanted to cruise by and see you. Well, they wanted, yeah, they wanted to come by the house and get the, <laughs> and say, hey, and, and good thing they got here. From yet. San Francisco. A little, little jaunt. And so they're on these three, 
clunkers. Oh my god! And I mean, they 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 actually look like clunkers. But then when I went to pick one up, I picked one of these bikes up. It was I don't want to say it was a hundred pounds, but I was it, guessing it, eighty pounds. It's it's no less than seventy. It, it was I was like wait wait wait. And they were starting today's ride back to get back on their course to New York City, going over Independence Pass. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> I'm looking at the gearing. I'm like checking. I mean, it was but cool story. I mean, uh, we gave them some beers. They were asking where the party scene was in Aspen on a Friday night. I said, party in Aspen on Friday night? Take your pick. It started at 1 o'clock and everyone's in bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, that was pretty cool. And pretty I thought, sweet. what? how amazing to carry all that extra weight yeah. every time you ride. And I thought, well, I do it every time. <laughs> Just a different different displacement. JB, we, we get older. We all, you know, it's expensive to build that, that fort of yours. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people were talking about team tactics today. Right. So, and, and and you disagreed right out of the gate with what you were hearing from the commentary. They were wondering what they were doing as a team. Let's talk about that when there's several chases, people going up the road ahead, and why a team keeps the pace high. Yeah, I mean, it made complete sense to you, but there seemed to be a difference of opinion from the commentary we were watching. Right. I guess I can see both sides of it. I, I can, and we're and specifically we're talking about. Well, back up. We're really talking about the two favorites, Richie Port and Chris Froome, and their teams, Team BMC and Team mm-hmm. Sky. So how are they managing this race? How are they handling How are they riding this race? Um, and then there was, so there were some questions on, on both feeds that we were watching. Um, and by the way, they varied the, the opinions. But, you know, was BMC, quote unquote, riding a smart race? And having Nicholas Roach up the road, having Greg Van Arverma, Greg Van Avermont up the road, the Olympic champion. Sometimes that is a smart thing to do because the idea is that you you have them up the road. If you need them, you can bring them back. Mm-hmm. If Richie Port goes up the road, he has help up the road. So you mm-hmm. sort of send them out there as, hey, I'll, I'll catch you in a little bit. Um, and then on the flip side, you had Team Sky that, that you know had some guys up the road. They came back, and then they just rode their tempo. Mm-hmm. And so then the question was, why are they riding so hard? Why are they riding that tempo? And I'm looking at this going, uh, you know, first of all, they're riding that tempo because they want, they are riding, as I just said, their race. They don't care what if people think it's easier or they think it's hard. They'd rather they think it's just a little bit hard mm-hmm. so that you're basically neutral. There's 25 guys left. You're neutralizing that group. You go a little easier, they start attacking. You it just little, becomes chaos. It you could. Go, you go a little harder, and that affects your day tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So they have to find this balance of riding that perfect tempo. It's not going to be easy for all. It might be easy for Chris Froome, but guy five on Sky, he might be on the limit. Yeah. But that, so you got to find that delicate balance. Net-net, I look at the end of the day, and I think, what was BMC thinking? I mean, you had a day <clears throat> where... Uh, Richie Port was not going to go up the road on the last climb. It wasn't hard enough. It wasn't long enough. It wasn't steep enough. He didn't need help up the road. Mm-hmm. He is going to need some help tomorrow. Tomorrow is the, the queen stage of the Tour de France, according to most of these guys that are in the race. So Greg Van Avermaet and Nicholas Roach are going to be a little crispy tomorrow, in my opinion. And so uh, this is the second time that I've looked at their tactics and thought, who's... Who's calling the shots? They should just been staying fresh today. Let Sky keep the pace up. Sky's, Sky's sitting there. I mean, if I'm 
if I'm Team Sky and Dave Brailsford and all these, I'm like, we rode a perfect race. Mm. Yeah. And you just passively mentioned it for those who don't know, and I didn't know the term today, the, the, the Queen stage. That's tomorrow. Well, in cycling, you know, when people were talk about the Queen stage, they're talking about the what, you know, a lot of times the race, the or you know, it's 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 there's a general consensus on what it is the hardest day, right? The general consensus for this particular tour is that tomorrow is the hardest day, so therefore it's they call it the Queen stage. It, it's not your typical. If we're gonna let's just get into talking about tomorrow real quick, it's not your typical Queen stage because it finishes downhill. Which, you don't like the downhill finish. I don't like the downhill finish. I, I think, I, I think it. I think it affects the. I don't think. I know it affects the dynamics of the race on the last climb. Guys know that they have a tricky downhill. Guys know that they have uh, a flat run, and and it just it takes some of the spice out of the out of that last climb, which is what is is what the Tour de France is all about. You have to have these long, hard, tough, difficult uphill finishes. Now, having said that, I'd never done that last climb. So sometimes these mountaintops can't accommodate this event. They can't build all the infrastructure. They can't. Yeah, that looked really narrow today, as right. an example. So you, you have to have a place where, where they can accommodate that many people, all of that equipment, all of that, you know, the buses, the vans, the satellite, blah, blah, blah. Maybe they can't accommodate that. So they're going downhill. So net, net, here's what I want to do. When we talked about what it takes to win the Tour de France a week ago, I said it requires you have to be able to win a marathon, you have to win a chess match, you have to run an election, and you have to uh, uh, you know be comfortable in NASCAR, a little rubbing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to add a fifth one. All right. It's MotoGP. So tomorrow you have to have all of that in spades, plus the downhill of this last climb is nasty. So you got to channel your inner uh, Valentino Rossi tomorrow, and th- th- you're going to see it. There will be people that lose this bike race tomorrow on the downhill, which is, a, by the way, the the shitty way to lose the Tour de France on the down. How'd you lose it on the downhill? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and you're a great climber. Yeah. yeah. No, I was there. I had ten, and I lost it on the downhill. Or you crash on the that downhill will 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 be a factor in tomorrow's I, I just, and therefore a factor in who wins the Tour de France. I mean, is your down are your downhill bombing skills held in that high of regard? I mean, I know some have it and some don't. You know what I mean? Like, is it that it's, important it's, it's to more, add to the race? It's more about the people that don't. If you're 10 or 15 seconds off the back and you need to come back, then you need to have it. I can catch up then. If, you're, right. if you're with the front group and you don't have it and you lose 30 seconds because you're, you're not a good descender or you're scared or, or, or you crash, that's about not having it. And that's that. I can't also help but think, you know, if you're a great climber and you're, you're, you know, you're trying to win a stage or gain time or whatever at one of these summits. You know, you're just you're completely blown up when you hit the summit, mm-hmm. and now I've got to take massive risks when I'm exhausted. Yeah, like just completely exhausted. Yeah, but it's the, dangerous. You'll right? see. You'll see tomorrow. You'll see the person, or you'll see the rider that's comfortable with that, and the, and you'll just see. You'll see the way they handle the corners. You'll see the way they set up for the corners. You'll you'll see the fluidity of the way they they lay that bike over. You'll see it, and then you'll see the guy that's 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 you know it's like taking a ten point turn through a corner, a perfect corner. You know, you'll see the person that has it and doesn't have it. And God forbid, if it rains, which I don't think it's going to rain, but if it were to rain, oh look buddy, out. look out! I remember 
years ago seeing this crazy rogue Texan taking an off-road route on a downhill. Who would do that? <laughs> hey, I say it all along. You just sometimes you just got to figure shit out. And uh... <laughs> for those of you who remember that one. Uh, you know, and this is, again, f- forgive me if you're a diehard tour fan, and we do have our share of those, but there are a lot of casual fans that are tuning into this, and I, and I want you to explain a little bit more the uh, Gruppetto. What is happening with that? I mean, it's a, it's a way to keep people from being eliminated on time, cut from the tour. Explain what's going on there, who's in it, how does it start, do they literally call it out and the purpose of it? Can I just, before we get to that, because I, 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 I've caught myself talking about the downhill tomorrow and oh, talking yeah. about weather. So I just pulled up AccuWeather here. Thunderstorms tomorrow afternoon in Chambry. So, so let's add to that. You're... Just put it out there. I mean, I, we're not, <laughs> well, we're a lot of things that we're not, but we're not weathermen. But to the miracle of the internet now, you can, you know, it, you're in the mountains. It's the summertime. We know what happens uh, those storms build up in the in the high mountains, and if just if, a chance of thunderstorms, just that's the X factor, right? That that is the thing that can change this bike race for everybody. Because then there's some guys who are going to be like, like you said, comfortable, and they're willing to take yeah. some extreme risks, yeah, I mean, even on a wet downhill. Yeah, I mean, I always fancied myself a good downhiller when it was dry. The second a drop of rain hit, I was I went from the one of the best to one of the worst. I mean, it's just. I just didn't like it. I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't, I was, I didn't like it. I was, I hated it. <laughs> I don't blame you. Let's talk about the Gruppetto. Okay. Because you know what? You br- you talk about the Gruppetto. JB brings up the gr- Gruppetto and, and, and the bus, sometimes they call it. You know, it's mm-hmm. funny. In, in the tour, any of the big grand tours, actually any of the, the bigger stage races, when the sprinters or the workers, the guys who can't get over these mountains, I mean, they almost, it's kind of a joke. They'll go around to each other and say, hey, do you, you got your tickets for the bus. <laughs> and the bus is the Gruppetto. And so uh-huh. everybody's like, I got my ticket. I got my ticket. So they just, they're just resigned to the fact that they're going to be on the bus, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the Gruppetto, a.k.a. the laughing group. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it, there's a lot of names for it, but... uh Newsflash, I mean, this thing tomorrow starts straight uphill. The Gruppetto, there will be a Gruppetto in the first five minutes. But still, you, you, you haven't quite explained. There's a, there, it's to keep them from getting cut. It's a certain percentage of the field and time, right? The, well, there's a general, you know, I haven't spent a lot of time in the Gruppetto, so I can't really talk right. too much about, I guess when I was, a couple of my first tours, I, I landed there. But there's, it's its own community. And there is this general consensus that we need to stay together. Tomorrow you'll see it because mm-hmm. that gruppetto, that last group will form almost immediately. So they got to do a couple things. They have to get to the finish and not miss the time cut. Okay. Which is as a, collectively they work together. On any the time of them. Cut. I mean, if if theoretically, if fifty guys miss the time cut on a day like tomorrow, that's the that's the only thing they're thinking about in that last group is mm-hmm. I, I cannot miss the time cut because. My team needs me in the next week, or I'm a sprinter and I want to win mm-hmm. uh, one of the flatter stages next week, or I want to win in Paris, or I just want to finish. Right. But so you've got like this little community, and it, and it's kind of and it's truly governed. You know, back in my day, you'd have Cipollini would sit at the front of the Gruppetto, and he would monitor the speed, and he knew that he had to keep all he's of those. The mayor guys, of the he, Gruppetto. He's the mayor of the Gruppetto. <laughs> 
he had to keep the speed in, in, you know, if this Gruppetto, if we hadn't seen the Cavendish and Peter Sagan crash, Cav would be the mayor of the Gruppetto. Okay. So he would regulate the speed of that Gruppetto, knowing what they got to do just to get to the finish and not miss the time cut. If somebody goes too hard, the mayor says, hey, back off. We're losing guys. Um, look, if somebody's that bad or sick or... It's like know, a sheep herder almost. Yeah. And it's... it's uh, But you're going to see... I, Right out of the gate tomorrow. Right out of the gate, you'll have the, the tickets are already being sold to the to the Gruppetto. <laughs> okay, we're and, gonna jump into tomorrow. And the mayor statement. has already been elected. <laughs> and what is the, the time cut? It's a I think it's based on a percentage of the total times. So today it was like forty, I think forty nine minutes. And Andre Demaria, there was a chance that he was gonna miss the time mm -hmm. cut. He came in, I suspect. Uh, he he uh, didn't miss the time cut because at this point in the day, one of his arms is probably six inches longer than the other one. <laughs> if you know what I mean. The Peugeot toe? Yeah. It's a Skoda. <laughs> Let's not forget our sponsors, their sponsors. Mm. Um, and that's so funny. You know, there's no regulation on that on the, that end of the group. Right? There's all the regulation and all the speculation about the front end of the group, but there's no talk about the... The fact that somebody's arm is hanging down a little lower tonight. <laughs> they might as well put a ski rope behind that. Speaking of Cipollini, <laughs> and Chippo would probably be the first to talk to this. I mean, there were years in the Giro where he had, on some of those, he'd be dropped on some of those climbs. He'd, he'd have a top 10 time. He'd get so many pushes and have so many sticky bottles. <laughs> you get to the end bottle. of the day, you're like, wait, Chippo, you were dropped? And I see here you got ninth up the, uh, <laughs> up the uh, Mortirolo. That's weird. I don't know. I started to feel better. He's referencing the sticky bottles, and sometimes you'll see it on TV. Or I think you used to. Maybe they don't intentionally don't put it on TV. It's when the team car hands you a water bottle, and boy, they both hold on to it for a long time. Yep. And well, you see, it's one thing to what you. We don't need to. I mean, it's it no. just it just goes on. They do hold on for a little longer than they probably need to, but the thing you don't see. But it's pretty fun because we've all had a sticky bottle in our day. As you grab onto that thing and the director of the car literally floors it. Mm -hmm. so it's a launch. It's just a, yeah. It's like a cartoon launch, right, out of a cannon. Yeah. Let me ask you this on that point, and I wondered this today, and I don't know the ruling on it. If you've ever been on a big group ride and you're bonked, you are just are tired and fatigued, and one of your teammates or a friend gives you a little push on the back, I mean, just reaches over and just barely touches your back. It just feels like 50 pounds has been lifted off yeah. of you. Um, can teammates do no. that? No, they, for... can't, they cannot do that. Okay. But it happens. But They look, kind of might reach over and act like they're chatting Again, with the... him, but they're giving him a little bit of a push to save energy. The right? tail end. It'll be, inter it'll be interesting. A day like You're not supposed to do that, although it does go on, especially at the back end of the group. That back end of the group is regulated a lot less than the others. It'll be interesting. There, you know, we may have a day where thirty guys miss the time cut, and so now you have this race and this jury, this jury of commissars, of race officials who have, who have drawn a line with Peter Sagan, said you're out of the race, disqualified. It'll How do you feel about that? <laughs> I'm kidding. No. <laughs> it, uh, um, I derailed you. I'm sorry. But sorry. <laughs> but it would be interesting to see what that jury would do if 30 riders missed the time cut. Not good. I bet they don't. I bet they keep them in. It depends on how many Frenchmen are in that. Or I don't know. But it 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 would be it would be complete BS if they did that. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. It may happen, and I just want to put that out there. And then it's on this jury to 
to stay consistent, which the sport, as we all know, isn't always that consistent. All right, I'm going to let you talk about tomorrow's stage. I know you're very excited to talk about it, and then we can take a few comments. Yesterday I did it reverse order, <clears throat> and I could tell you were about to jump out of your seat. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> let's talk about tomorrow, and you've already said it. Big climb right out of the gate, which riders hate. Yeah. Well, the first thing I'll say is we, we've done this, this podcast and this show, because it feels like a show here with this Facebook live action going on. Um, we've done this for a week and we've done it from the very same location. We're going to mix it up a little bit tomorrow. We're, we're, we're heading down to Boulder tonight, uh, having dinner. My great friend, Bobby Stuckey's, uh, excellent restaurant called Frosca. Stuckey, a former professional cyclist, now a master sommelier and awesome dude. Um, so we're going to get up and watch the race tomorrow somewhere in Boulder. We haven't figured that out yet. We're looking for invites. We are. To watch. Where, where are we going to watch? We have the app. We can watch. That's uh, true. Yeah. We can we'll listen to McEwen instead of Liggett. It'll be a good day. Um, but, it, but the, but the cool thing is we're actually going to, we're going to film, you know, run the show, do the show from Vecchio's, which is a classic old bike shop in downtown Boulder. And, and Jim over at Vecchio's has been very gracious and, and sweet to let us host or let us crash his bike shop and host this mm -hmm. little podcast party. So it'll look and feel a little different tomorrow. We won't be sitting here. And in fact, uh, for the next week, it'll look and feel a little different because we're going from Boulder back down to Austin where we're going to hang with our kids for a little bit. And then that'll look and feel different. And then we'll be back here for the final week. But I should just set this up for people because we, we have a much more of an international audience than we anticipated with mm. this. It, uh, unless you disagree, would you say Boulder is probably the motherland of cycling in the U.S.? It's the Mecca. It's, I would say it's the Mecca of endurance sports. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, you know, most of the top world-class athlete runners, triathletes, cyclists, they, they, they just gravitate to Boulder. And tomorrow I might bust. I have an impersonation of, a, of a, the Boulder dude. There's a guy, you know, I did. Um, but I might, may, may, it just depends how I feel. I might bust that out tomorrow. But, but we're excited to go down to Boulder, excited to be at Vecchio's, thank them for letting us crash. But this stage, which we we're going to watch before, I mean, it's just never you can you can see it. It's it's up and down, and I think right away the thing that stands out to me and, and this entire peloton's thinking about it right now after the day they had today, is it starts straight uphill. You just can't imagine how much people hate that. And here you have you have a ten minute neutral, so that you might be thinking, okay, I got a little neutral ten. The neutral might even be a little bit uphill. But this race, as soon as they drop the flag, A, it goes uphill, and they're going to start racing. See, a lot of people don't realize that. It doesn't necessarily go from the gun. Well, well, you mean with the neutral? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's always a little bit of a neutral built in. They need to get this 200 guys out of a town. You can't drop the flag in the middle of a city. Right. It's just too crazy. It's they chaos. typically get them to the city limits. That's normally where they, you know, it's called kilometer zero. Mm-hmm. The new, by the way, the neutral could be 20 kilometers long. But they don't put that in the... When you see 187, that means it's 207. So oh, wow. those, those kilometers still count. So the distance you see, that's, that's only from kilometer zero to the finish. Point being, they get a 10-minute neutral, which is easy. And this thing goes immediately uphill. Starts with a Category 2 climb, which... And you mentioned before on this podcast, watch for the guy that's warming up before the race starts. Exactly. Tomorrow's one of those days. You're going to have... You're not going to have any of these GC guys warming up, but I mean, you might. The guys warming up tomorrow are going to be the ones that had a hard day today 
and are worried about missing that time cut tomorrow. They, if they're not warming up, they should be warming up. Okay, because uh, people are going to be dropped right out of the right, right away. And then, I mean, I think the headline is that you have three. We talked about the different uh, grades of climbs. You have a four, three, two, one, and an H. You have three above category climbs tomorrow. So is this a good day or potentially an opportunistic day for Port or Aru? Well, should we see them? Like, if tactically, is this a day they should be making a no, move? This is, this is a day. They're, they're behind. If you're behind in the Tour de France, you, you can't wait for somebody to have a bad day or somebody to crash. You have to, at some point, you have to take the race into your own hands, and tomorrow is that day. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, it does finish downhill and then a little falls and then a flat section, but if they want to win the Tour de France, you whether it's go. a Rue or whether Quintana's feeling better or Richie Port, you got to do it tomorrow. You have to start tomorrow. There's other opportunities, but you can't let a day like this go by without taking your chances. This, mm-hmm. this, is, this is a big day. And you would rather see him, like say you put your director hat on if you've ever had one. You'd rather see him go down trying than just sitting in and everybody wants along. everybody wants to see him go down trying i mean the yeah. guy who stays in and and you know says oh, i didn't i didn't find my i didn't see my opportunity I didn't, you know you, the, the team wants that the sponsors want that the fans want that granted you know it, it sometimes that's not in people's dna sometimes people are more passive they like to wait for that opening to happen instead of making the opening happen or thinking they might have better fresher legs in the third week which I know that there's, sounds. There's, that's that's not unrealistic. I mean, there 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 people there. A lot of guys that are just better in the third week. It doesn't matter. Tomorrow is a real day. Is anything else jump out at you about tomorrow's things to look for besides climbing right out of the gate? I mean, I think the my my four takeaways are. And uh, and you've not done this climb either. Any of these I haven't climbs. done any of these climbs. And if I have, please remind me. You know, yeah. I won't get into it. But it's a few things stick out. Uh, it starts with an uphill and finishes with a downhill. That's could be rain. And, and, and the X factor is thunderstorms in the afternoon at 5 o'clock coming down that, la- that final downhill. Going to be hot before that. And then the final thing, which is I've, I've harped on and on about, today was hard. So it's not like, you know, they're going to, you know, the, the boys have uh, – 19 and a half hours to recover. That's not, after a day like today, for, for most people, except for maybe Chris Froome, 19 and a half hours is not enough. You're going to, you're going to, they're going to feel it right out of the gate. One of the things that I meant to ask you, and it, it just came back to me, is, is historically you would always see the climbers hit the summit and to stay warm during the downhill, they would stuff newspaper right. into their uh inside their jacket yeah. and all that stuff and now in the digital era do they put out do, you, do they use ipads or yep they hand up apples one of the no <laughs> it's not been it's not it's been hot I know, these guys been, are they aren't having the colds yeah it takes a, it takes a cold wet day for the, and that it, you would still see that i mean if i if i were in this bike race and i came over this, the reality is when even when it's quote unquote cold and you're going uphill that hard at the front of the race, you are sweating your ass off. Yeah. You're hot. But as soon as you crest the top and you start to come down, it gets cold real quick, especially mm-hmm. if it's wet. And you would still see people standing there handing up La Keeps and La Gazettas and the New York Times. And, and man, you better grab it. And you better grab it and get it under your jersey, between your jersey and your chest. I mean, get that paper as widely open as you can and get as much of it to cover your chest as you can. 
Now, a lot of these teams may have a swanier or a team of, of a person at the top handing up jackets or mm -hmm. vests. That's a better scenario. But if they're not there, you best be grabbing that newspaper. Okay. Uh, do you want to jump into some comments? Let's and then do a we're couple. To, we're going to just do a couple here today. Yeah, I mean, then, I, and then we got to tell you about the uh, We Do store. That's right. Just going gangbusters. Yeah. All right. Um, here's some uh, Francisco Garcia writes. Uh, what race did you like most apart from the tour? Oh, my favorite race besides the tour w was uh, the Tour Flanders, which is a one-day spring classic. To, I think the Tour Flanders is 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 the second best bike race in the world. I mean, it it, it it's to me it was a perfect, and I didn't ne I never did great there. I loved being there, but it's just people think about Liège, people think about Paris-Roubaix, especially, but it's a beautiful mix of the two. You have these short, punchy hills that are cobbled. So you take the hills of Liège and the cobbles of Roubaix, and you just ram them right in, just like a just like a Reese's peanut butter cup, and it's just perfect. And uh, you know that that part of Belgium, the Flemish part, the fans are out. They love cycling. They love the riders. They're not dicks to anybody. <laughs> and um, it's just a it's a it's a perfect and beautiful bike race. Excellent. Vincent writes uh, high five from South Africa. High five. Uh, Gear Mashers wrote in. Uh, and commented when we were talking about prize money yesterday for tour riders, uh, prize money is even worse for triathletes. Yeah. Any, any take on that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, triathlons, it's, it's a little tougher. I, can, I, I, know, I know that there's a lot of um, frustration on the professional side of triathlon in that you have this sport that is now, I mean, you have Ironman that just sells for, you know, $800 million and, and you have these huge businesses that have been built. And, and so the, the, the guys at the front of the group say, you know, prize money hasn't changed. Endorsements are few and far between, you know, why are we not being compensated? But the reality of, of that sport, and, I, and I'm, this is not, they're not going to like this answer, is that 99.9% .9 of that sport are people that they don't, they don't, they just want to finish. Mm -hmm. they, they're not following. I hate to say it. They're not. They're not following the competitive side of the sport, which is 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 a uh, is unfortunate because these are some of the best athletes in the world. Mm -hmm. But ninety nine percent of those people, they want to sh they want to train for it, show up, finish, and go get their M dot tattoo. And they right. don't they don't know or care who won or who got second, whether it's male or female. They're not interested. They were out there to to, to achieve their own goal, and so I think that's. Uh, you know, the coverage of it comes on like six months later, and there's all these other feel-good stories. I love watching it. I love watching these great athletes. They do. The feel-good story gets more airtime than the leaders. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So that affects the payout. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting take. One more quick comment, and then uh, we're going to tell you about the store. Um, this is interesting. Matt Gilchrist writes, do you maintain any friendships with some of your big rivals? Um, yeah, it's, it's, I do. I, I communicate, um, with, with a few of them. Um, obviously, you know, being in America, being on the, in this world and, and most, if not all of those guys, uh, being in Europe, that makes it more difficult. I don't go over there. They don't come over here, but I'll text occasionally with Jan Ulrich and Ivan Basso and, um, you know, I mean, it, there's, there's, they were never what I, what I would call close friends. I loved them in a lot of ways, and mm -hmm. I respected them in a lot of ways. And in the moments where I had to kind of pretend to hate them, I, I hated them too. But they were all good guys for the most. I mean, we all know the ones that that they'll never be a relationship with, and that's not even 
that's not even worth talking to. That doesn't that doesn't lean into this forward perspective that I've chosen to take with my life. Um, but no, there's there's not a ton of of communication, and you know we came from an era where it's it's a weird era. Like they they, I mean this this I got so upset at the start of this Tour de France it starts in Germany that a guy that I love in so many ways, Jan Ulrich, is not invited to the start. I mean, I think it's, meanwhile, the cameras can't get to Rolf Aldog quick enough to do an interview yeah, about Marquette. Yeah. This is fucking bullshit. Yeah. I mean, it, this is not the way you should roll. And um, and, and, and I, te- I text John stuff like that. I just think it's it's not right. It's not right at all, but, uh, yeah. I think a lot of your fans respected Jan Ulrich because you respected him. Yeah. You know, the the waiting up for him and the things like that, the sportsmanship. Yeah. They kind of fell for that guy too. That's good to know. <clears throat> you know, Jan Ulrich, I, I won my seventh tour in two thousand five and Jan got second. Um and I was retiring. That was the last back race that I was ever gonna do. And we got a call and we had about seven hundred rabid American cycling fans, Discovery Channel team fans, in Paris for this big party and about an hour before Jan Ulrich's press officer calls and says, Jan would like to come to the party. That's cool. And we're thinking, <laughs> are you out of And then the guy says, and if you know Jan, you know that his English is not great. The guy says, and he'd like to say a few words. Okay. And I'm just going, no. <laughs> this is, can't be, this is not real. You're like, someone's punking you, right? And, and he, Jan showed up and took the mic and gave a, a speech and talked about me and talked about us. It was the classiest thing that anybody ever did for me uh, during my cycling career, and I'll never forget it, and I love him for it, and we don't, you know, it's not like we talk every day, but that just that gesture was, who does that? I wouldn't have, I wasn't man enough to do that. If, if the roles were reversed, yeah. there's no way I would have done that. Yeah. Um, but for him to do that, um, you know, that that's something that I'll never forget the rest of my life. Very cool. Cool story. Cool memory. If you want to get your We Do gear... Get it now. We should have we should have made more before. <laughs> hey, before you give us grief, we didn't anticipate. We didn't know. We thought that you know would have like two listeners, and then maybe the dog on the side, the poodle, would listen. <laughs> we didn't know. We didn't know it was going to pull this big of an audience. And, and you know what and else? I forgot, and what else I forgot to do yesterday, which is even more importantly mm-hmm. than or more important, the fact that we didn't make enough stuff was ten uh, percent of all the proceeds of the store, the whatever we've sold so far, and whatever we replenish is going to go to World Bicycle Relief and I spoke about it the other day. This is a big month for them. This is this is uh, this is the birthday of the bicycle, the 200-year-old birthday this month. They have a big initiative built around that and the work that they're doing in Africa. If you get a second, please go to worldbicyclerelief.org, sign the pledge, and any money that they raise this month, so it could be money from us, it could be money from you guys just on your own. Uh, up to two hundred fifty thousand bucks, they have a matching group of donors. So if we if we can all raise two fifty they're going to get 500. Um, so we're just doing our part to kick into World Bicycle Relief and, uh, you know, get kids in places and in, in parts of the world that most of us have never been to and will never be. But we know what it's like to throw a leg over a bike and, and, and go out and exercise or go down to the store or go hang with buddies. Well, you often hear that their school is four miles away or something like that. Four. We should try 15. Yeah. So with that comes, you know, the dropout rates are, as you can imagine, who's going to walk 15 miles. It's proven that a kid given a bike, the graduation graduation rates are, are significantly higher just because they can get to and from bike, I mean, it's, or to and from school. So 
um, help us out. And uh, and for those who who went online and wanted to get stuff and it sold out, that's that's my bad. I'm sorry about that. We're getting and more as, stuff. Believe and me. And as it gets, look, now all these kids are coming over here. It's a, look, bang, oh, that's good. That's good for the quality of the audio. Little should, punks. This is uh, Lance's son and Jonathan, his kids. open that door. Jonathan, open that door, will you please? They all, they hey, keep it down. <laughs> You're the get off my lawn yeah. guy now, you aren't bring you? Bring them in here, Jonathan. Look at these punks. Hey. <laughs> All of them remind me of See, the kid from Better Off Dead. Two dollars. You want? You're gonna get a spanking. <laughs> it's just, just just wreaking havoc on the show. The cuss jar is getting bigger today too. <laughs> look, oh look. What are they doing? They're oh, they're riding around. They're doing a criterium around the studio. <laughs> look at these guys. Watch. This Here. is what I have to put up with. All right, you can you can chat with them. On look at these mind. guys. What's up? Hey. Don't you realize we're working in here? Yeah. No. Nobody. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Cares, no, Nobody wait. Cares. Two dollars. Smells weird. It smells good. JB's been farting. It smells good. All right. It smells like coffee. Hey, we'll, uh, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys tomorrow, or we'll sort of see you this way, or maybe if you're near Vecchio's, pop in. And, and let me hit these uh, URLs for everybody. Oh, yeah, let's do your, that. Your comments, uh, send them to stages at wedosport.com stagespodcast.com if you want to share with any of your cycling friends. Uh, we do shop.com. W-E-D-U shop.com to get that merch. 10% going to World Bike Relief. And uh, you'll get some really, really cool gear. And yep. more stuff's being printed. It, yep. So there's a... You can also go to we do sport.com and sign up for an email. So if something's sold out that you want, you'll get notified via yep. that email. Yeah, perfect. All right, see you all tomorrow. Queen stage tomorrow.